Hello and welcome to this IGCSE English Literature Poetry Podcast on Piano by D.H. Lawrence. So um, I just would like to remind you of the acronym WAFT. That's a, always um, what should, you should use to start thinking about a poem. So if you're not familiar with that, remember that the W stands for what is this poem about? Was um, What is the subject matter? And the A is for ambiguities. Are there any um, different interpretations of the poem, different possible meanings? Um, the F is form and structure. So that's a really important part of the poem. How does that contribute to it? And the T is the title. So what is the title of the poem and how is that relevant? So let's think about the W first of all. What is this poem about? So piano is about um, a speaker in the present, an adult speaker, who hears um, uh, this piano music and a woman singing, and that makes him... um, think of his memories of his mother playing the piano and singing to him. So it transports him back. And this is what we would call is a sensory memory, i.e. a memory of the senses. But it's what we would specifically call an echoic memory. So that's a memory of sound. So the poem is about how um, a sensory experience in the present um, brings back, triggers this echoic memory of his mother's singing and piano playing. And the speaker in the poem feels feels very emotionally overwhelmed by this memory. He feels nostalgic and yearning for the past. So make sure you've got that down as what the poem is about, the W. So are there any ambiguities in this poem? I would say not really. I would say it's quite a straightforward um, poem about um, kind of yearning for childhood experiences and being transported. So I don't think it's a particularly ambiguous poem. But what about the form and structure? Um, And make sure in your notes that you You've got a subtitle saying form and structure. Um, so you might have noticed that the poem is written in rhyming couplets, me, c, strings, sings, um, it's a, a, b, b, c, c. It's a very clear rhyme scheme. Um, and the reason for that is because the music gives the speaker a sense of harmony and calmness. So the melodic um, sound of the music is reflected in the, con- the, um, the calming gentle pleasing sound of the rhyme so the rhymes enact the speaker's feelings of calmness and harmony that are associated with the music of the piano both in the present and in the past but most particularly in the past and um, however despite this regular rhyme scheme you might have noticed that the line lengths are not regular for example the last line of the first stanza is much longer than the first line and that's because um, these memories give the speaker a feeling of turmoil and um, they're things that he can't control. So um, it's not completely regular because although he has this pleasant association with the memory, he can't control his emotional um, conflict and his feelings of um, uh, of uh, inner turmoil that um, that come with not being able to relive this childhood experience. So make sure you've got that down as your second form and structure point that the and um, the line lengths are irregular to reflect um, the speaker's sense of kind of turmoil and lack of control. And you might have also noticed that there's lots of enjambment in the poem. So um, if you can't remember what that means, it's when the um, the sentences run on to the next line. 
line. They don't just stop at the end of the line. And that enjambment, cre- enjambment creates a feeling of a flood of memories and a flood of sensory experiences that the speaker is being overwhelmed by these sensory experiences that feel like they're kind of washing over him and he can't stop that. He can't control that. So the enjambment gives the sense of relentlessness of those memories um, that he's uh, that he's reliving, he's experiencing. Um, so make sure you've got that down um, as form and structure. And then what about the title? Well, obviously the title is piano. So it literally refers to the music in the present that serves as a catalyst for the memories of the past, which are also memories of piano music. Um, so make sure you've got that down. It literally refers to the music that he is hearing. And that is that music has a kind of um, an emotive association with his mother and his childhood. Um, however, in Italian, piano also means soft. It literally means soft. And um, and that is his association with the music. It is something soft. It's something gentle associated with the, um, the calm, pleasant experiences of childhood. Um, and therefore, um, it's a kind of and it's it's no coincidence that the first word of the poem is softly, um, that he's literally um, li- reliving these memories that are very soft, very calming. Okay, so make sure you've got that down next to the title as well. Um, so the next thing that we always have to think about when we're looking at a poem is the sub-themes. Okay, so the sub-themes in an essay will always become your paragraphs. Um, so take three different coloured highlighters if you haven't done so already um, and make sure you give each subtheme a color so the first subtheme is sensory imagery and sensory imagery is used throughout the poem to depict the vivid nature of childhood memories so make sure you've got that down as subtheme one sensory imagery is used throughout the poem to depict the vivid nature of childhood memories and I would suggest giving that yellow simply because that's the color I've given it um, however you can uh, you can give it any color color you want. Um, so sub theme two is the child's relationships with others and particularly his mother. And the poem depicts those relationships as close and intimate, which in turn enables us to infer that he feels more isolated in the present than he did in the past as a child. So make sure you've got that down as sub theme two. Sub theme two is the child's relationship with others, particularly his mother, which is depicted as close and intimate, enabling us to infer that he feels more isolated in the present. and then finally, your third sub-theme is the, the speaker's thoughts and feelings. And those thoughts and feelings are ones of nostalgia. He yearns to return to the past. So make sure you've got that down as sub-theme three, the speaker's thoughts and feelings, which are immensely nostalgic as he yearns to return to the past. And I would give that second sub-theme the color of pink and the third sub-theme the color of green, although you don't have to, but those are the colors that I have given them. Um, so let's talk about that first sub-theme, um, the idea of the sensory imagery. So the poem opens with the adverb softly, and that adverb establishes immediately a gentle, calming atmosphere of the poem. So, um, so straight away, it's not something dramatic or intense, it's something gentle, and that's reinforced by um, the dusk as well. Dusk is a kind 
kind of time when you're starting to wind down. Um, so the dusk symbolically um, represents the um, uh, uh, the kind of gentle, sort of calm feeling. And um, so make sure you've got those first four words of the poem highlighted in yellow and that you've got those annotations down. But you could also have another significance to the dusk as well. That dusk is of the time when um, when the light is fading, it's the end of the day. And so that could serve as pathetic fallacy to represent the speaker's life, which is um, mostly past um, and um, that kind of much of, that not much of that life left. So the dusk could symbolize how the speaker is in the kind of um the sort of the final stages of life if he's an adult most of his life is gone um and so we could infer that that might be why he wants to return to childhood memories because perhaps the best part of his life is past already so make sure you've got that down as your first point for the uh, the first sub theme and then in the um uh the third line of the poem i would highlight in yellow for your first sub theme the boom of the tingling strings okay, the boom of the tingling strings so you might have noticed that that's a very onomatopoeic image um, and it's specifically an oral with an au image meaning an image of sound so that onomatopoeic oral image makes the memory of the childhood music seem very um kind of intense but also um uh, something kind of pleasant. There's a juxtaposition between boom and tingling. So boom is a very strong, powerful sound, emphasizing how in his childhood he experienced the piano as something um, uh uh, something very loud, something very overwhelming. Um, but whereas tingling is a much kind of um, gentler, more pleasant, more melodic sound. And so um, so that emphasizes how there was almost a kind of within the sound, there was a sort of um, a complexity of different sensations, that juxtaposition between um, uh, boom and tingling. Also, um, tingling... Um, Although it literally refers to the sound, you'd actually usually say tinkling to describe sound. So it's interesting that he uses the verb tingling here. And normally tingling is associated with connotations of excitement and anticipation. So, for example, um, you might tingle with excitement at the prospect of Christmas. And therefore, um, the use of this verb tingling emphasizes that the emotion associated with the childhood memory is one of excitement and, and and positivity so make sure you've got that down and um, the next quote to highlight is in line five the second half he says the insidious mastery of song insidious mastery of song so make sure you highlight that in yellow so the adjective insidious means cunning or underhand or sneaky so the idea that the song is insidious makes it seem like it's sneakily um uh, crept up on him and overwhelmed the speaker. And that works in conjunction with the noun mastery, because mastery suggests that um, the music is the master, it is the, the thing with the power um, and the strength. So the adjective and noun insidious mastery suggests that the song has 
um, sneaky power over the speaker. And the reason for that is because he can't control the childhood memory of the music. The memory feels more powerful than he does. He can't just shut it off. So, and um, so, so that's emphasizing the power of sensory um, experience to conjure memory that we cannot control. Um, the next quotes to highlight are in lines seven to eight. So the old Sunday evenings at home with winter outside and hymns in the cozy parlor, the tinkling piano, our guide. So um, these um, images, these sensory images make the speaker's childhood come across as very positive and very comforting. And, and the reason for that is that the there's a deliberate juxtaposition between winter outside and the cozy parlor and home. So the juxtaposition of the the cozy atmosphere inside with the winter outside emphasizes um, how home felt safe um, and it it felt um reassuring in contrast to the winter outside that symbolizes maybe the coldness of the wider world, the fact that um, that it was something less safe, more threatening. Um, and the tinkling piano, again, you've got an onomatopoeic image um, with the tinkling piano, contributes to the atmosphere because the um, uh, the lexical choice tinkling um, makes the piano sound um, again, calming, gentle, positive, um, something that's a delight to listen to. So, um, uh, so you could say that um, that that reinforces the positive memories of childhood. And I would also comment on the noun guide. That guide, if the piano was the guide, um, usually if you have a guide, you know what way to go, you know a direction in which to head. And therefore, the noun guide suggested in their childhood, the speaker felt um, uh, like a sense of um, a sort of confidence. They felt a sense of um, of direction that maybe is lacking in their adulthood, we could infer. So, um, so the, the music kind of serves as maybe a broader metaphor for um, the speaker's sense of direction that they felt in childhood. Um, and then we get a little mini volta in um, line nine. If you don't know what a volta is, it's, um, it's a change or a turn in the poem, V-O-L-T-A. Um, so the volta um, is signified with the temporal adverb now because that transports the speaker back to the present. Um, and he says, now it is vain for the speaker to burst into clamor. Um, so the, um, uh, the adjective vain here um, means that it's kind of futile, it's pointless. Okay, and, and clamor and appassionato suggests the music in the present is very loud. Appassionato is an Italian term. It literally means with great passion. So, um, so that term in conjunction with the verb burst and the noun clamor makes the music of the present seem very loud and passionate and overwhelming. However, because this is in vain, um, it suggests that it doesn't matter how loud or passionate the, um, the music of the present is because the speaker is thinking about the music of his childhood. Okay, so um, 
so the the passion of the kind of uh, the sensory imagery in the present is irrelevant because the memories of the childhood sensory imagery is more important. So make sure you've got that down for the first sub theme, and then pick up your color for the second sub theme, um, which in my case is pink. And um, and the first uh, quote that you want to highlight for the second sub theme, which if I I'll just remind you is about the speaker's relationships with others, particularly his mother, and. Um, is a woman is singing to me in the first line. So um, I would pick out the fact that the woman is singing to him. And, um, and that little phrase to him suggests that he feels a sense of intimacy and connection with the singer. Um, and that serves as a trigger to remind him of his mother because his mother um, is someone who he would have a very personal connection with, he would be able to relate to. And therefore, um, uh, you can say that's uh, singing to me. The very personal phrase serves as a catalyst to remind him of his mother from with whom he has a very personal connection. And um, the next quote to highlight is in line three. There's a child sitting under the piano. So that preposition um, uh, under, in the image of a child sitting under the piano, makes us imagine the speaker's relationship um, with his piano playing mother as being very close. If he's sitting under the piano, he's literally sitting as close as he possibly can um, to uh, the music and to his mother. So it emphasizes the intimacy of the image, that preposition. However, you might notice that the, the poet uses the indefinite article a, he doesn't say that the child is him, he says a child, and that indefinite article um, generalizes the child, and um, so it, perhaps he does that because he wants to make the uh, the reader relate to this as a as a um, memory that um, uh, that might be similar to lots of people's memories of childhood, or perhaps it's because he feels um, kind of distant from that childhood. Seeing a child, he's not that child anymore. He doesn't feel like that child. So perhaps the indefinite article A is emphasizing that sense of distance from those past relationships. So make sure you've got both of those interpretations down. Um, and then in line four, it says, impressing the small poise feet of a mother who smiles as she sings. So that image reinforces the intimacy of the relationship. It's a very precise image. Um, and that precision, the small poised feet, emphasizes how um, crystallized these memories are, how the speakers still got these memories after many years. Um, many years have passed and yet these memories are still so perfectly preserved in his mind it emphasizes the importance of the intimacy of the relationship um, and he but he is the speaker seems sort of distant he's he's looking at this image he's not directly in it so it makes his kind of present self seem more detached in contrast to his childhood self so make sure you've got that down that his present adult self seem more seems more detached than his childhood self and um, i would also pick out that the mother smiles as she sings and and um, you might have noticed that and um, that that's a very 
positive image. The verb smiles and sings, creates a very positive sense as the mother as something, someone reassuring, someone comforting that the speaker feels kind of close to and trusts. And the sibilance, which if you don't know, is that repeated S sound, smiles as she sings. That sibilance creates a sense of gentleness um, that reinforces the calming mood of the poem and the sense of the mother as a calming presence. And um, I would also double highlight for your final quote, um, in line um, eight, the cosy parlour, because the cosy parlour serves as a representation of the speaker's positive past relationships. The adjective cosy reinforces the sense of intimacy that he felt with his mother um, or his family, perhaps more broadly. And the plural pronoun our, our cosy parlour, our guide, sorry, um, emphasises how he felt part of a collective unit. He felt united with his mother and his family in the past, in contrast now to maybe the present, where he, he is I, he is more isolated as an adult. So make sure you've got those points down um, for the second sub-theme and then take your final highlighter. Um, and the final sub-theme I'll just remind you is the speaker's thoughts and feelings. And those thoughts, thoughts and feelings are all about nostalgia and nostalgia is this yearning for the past. So the first quote to highlight is in line two. He says that the music in the present is taking him back down the vista of years. So uh, so that metaphor, taking me back down the vista of years, suggests that the woman singing transports the speaker. It's almost like an image of memory lane. It transports the speaker um, down memory lane into the past. Okay, so that metaphor emphasizes he's, all, he's going on a journey back to the past. And a vista is a pleasant, appealing view. So write that down if you didn't know it. Vista is a pleasant, appealing view. So this noun emphasizes how the memories of the past are kind of positive ones, ones that he um, uh, in which he was happy and um, things that he um, that he sees in a positive way. Um, however, that's kind of slightly juxtaposed to line five, where he says, in spite of myself. So the phrase in spite, and that's the next quote to highlight, obviously. Um, so the phrase in spite of myself suggests that the speakers may be trying to fight the memory. Because um, in spite of myself, if you do something in spite of yourself, it suggests perhaps you don't want to, or you're not fully, um, uh, fully con committed to it, um, but yet you do it anyway. So that phrase suggests that maybe he's trying to fight the memory. And perhaps the reason for that is that the, it's kind of painful to relive this memory. Probably his mother's died. Probably he doesn't, he knows he can never get back to it. And so perhaps he doesn't want to relive it because it feels futile. However, um, the verb phrase, and there's the next quote to highlight um, in line six, the verb phrase betrays me back is an interesting one because usually 
Um, if someone betrays you, it's um, you know they they go against something you trusted them with. So um, the verb phrase betrays suggests that he feels the music has turned against him by taking him back to his um, his childhood. He might feel that it's betrayed him because maybe he wasn't expecting this um, this memory of the past, and suddenly it's upon him, and he doesn't know what to do. So make sure you've got that down. That that um, verb phrase betrays me back. And emphasizes how he feels that the music is um it's almost something that he um, that that has betrayed him in the sense that it's uh something that's gone against kind of what he would expect. And you've got those the alliteration of those B sounds betrays me back that kind of emphasizes maybe the forcefulness of it. He says it betrays me back till the heart of me weeps to belong. So the heart is obviously associated with emotion and strong feeling. So therefore the image the heart of me weeps to belong suggests that he feels a yearning um, and a a deep um, sense of sorrow for childhood, that he yearns to return to it. Um, And the heart, notice here, is the active subject. The heart of me weeps. It's not I weep. It's the heart of me weeps. And the use of the heart as the active subject here suggests that he doesn't have control over his emotions, that his emotions are taking over and, and dominating him without his permission, if you like. And the verb weeps emphasizes, weeping is not it's stronger than crying. It's not kind of gentle. It's very intense emotion. So the verb weeps emphasizes how he's overwhelmed by a sense of anguish for his lost childhood. And the verb belong, he weeps to belong, suggests that in his childhood, he felt part of something. He felt connected, whereas um, we might infer that he's more isolated in the present. And so the next... um, Uh, example to highlight is in lines 10 to 12 he says the glamour of childish days is upon me my manhood is cast down in the flood of remembrance I weep like a child for the past so um, first of all the noun glamour um, idealizes childhood Um, something that's glamorous is something that's that's um, that's positive exciting and so that um So that noun, the glamour of childish days, makes his childhood seem superior to his present, um, something that he uh, he idealises, he remembers fondly and positively. Um, But... And he says it's upon me. So that lexical choice upon suggests he's literally kind of reliving it now. He's kind of, he's he's been brought back into it. And therefore he says, my manhood is cast down. And so the verb phrase cast down suggests that um, the speaker's um, uh, kind of adult self has been sort of dismissed and and um, uh, kind of rejected in favour of these childhood memories. But also manhood is traditionally associated with um, the idea of stoicism. So stoicism means not showing emotion. Um, if you've already done the poem, if you might have encountered it in that. So, um, so the idea that um, his manhood is cast down also suggests that he's unable to be stoical as an adult might typically expect to be because he's so overwhelmed by emotion so make sure you've got that down and then in the final line of the poem um 
he says it's a flood of remembrance. And you might have, you might remember earlier I talked about the enjambment and that the memories come flooding back. And he literally uses this metaphor of the flood of remembrance to emphasize how overwhelming the memories are, how he feels completely um, consumed by them. Um, and therefore, he says, I weep like a child for the past. And that final simile suggests that... Um, uh, again, notice you've got the verb weep that you had earlier. Um, so it emphasizes his anguish and his despair because he can never get that childhood back. So when he says for the past, that phrase for the past suggests that it's um, his childhood is gone and it can never be recovered. And that's why he's crying because his childhood is lost. And he also um, says that he is like a child. I weep like a child. And a child is obviously traditionally associated with being weak and powerless. And therefore, that simile suggests he feels weak and powerless in the face of these memories. And um, he feels like there's nothing he can do to stop them or to get kind of back to them, uh, back to that kind of in reality. And therefore, he's just in this kind of powerless emotional state. Okay, so um, those are our three sub themes. The final thing that we need to do before we finish is think about personal responses. Um, so if you're thinking about the first sub theme, the sensory imagery, you might say that the poem prompts, so put a sub theme in your note, uh, sorry, a subtitle in your notes, if you haven't done so, personal responses and deeper meaning. Um, so you might say, Say that the poem prompts us to recognize the immense power of echoic memories that and just by hearing a sound we're prompted to recognize that whole realms of memory can come back to us so that's the first thing i would say is a personal response the poem prompts us to recognize the immense power of echoic memories that even a single sound can transport us back and um, we could also say as another personal response that we sympathize with the speaker um, and maybe even we empathize with him because we all have childhood memories that we yearn to refer to return to. We all have bits of our childhood we'd like to relive. And hence, we could say the poem seems universal and timeless um, because of that sense of yearning for childhood experiences. So make sure you've got that down. We don't just sympathize with the speaker, but perhaps even empathize because we too yearn to refer, return to um, childhood experiences and hence the poem seems universal and timeless. Um, we could also say that... Um, uh, the poems are kind of, it's very much a snapshot of one childhood memory. Um, it's not, he's not talking about his whole childhood. He's talking about a particular thing that kind of, that he used to do. And so we could say that it also suggests how our mind is um, maybe an unreliable narrator in the sense that our mind preserves certain memories more than others. And it selects the ones that are particularly important to hold on to. So I would say that as another personal response that the poem uh, can prompt us to recognize how our mind as an unreliable narrator preserves and crystallizes certain memories from childhood and holds on to those whilst not necessarily remembering all of childhood. We could also argue as another personal response that we might take a message from the poem that we must appreciate our childhood because um, once it's lost, like the speaker, we will yearn for it. We will long for it. Once we've aged, we won't be able to get it back. And therefore, you could argue that the poem's message is to appreciate childhood whilst we have it. 
And finally, I might say that the poem encourages us to recognize the importance of connecting with our own emotions. That the speaker, um, he weeps, he says it several times, that he weeps, he feels this emotion. He doesn't try to block those emotions out because it's not healthy to block emotions out because they'll always come back to you. They can't be eradicated and taken away completely. So maybe the poem is encouraging us to recognize the importance of, um, of feeling our own emotions and not trying to ignore them or block them out because they'll always come back to us in some form like they have here with the trigger of the memory. Um, so I hope that was a useful insight into Piano by D.H. Lawrence. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you'll join us with another Poetry Podcast sometime soon. Thank you.